church. So good to see you here this morning. Good to be with you today. If you're watching on the live stream, so good that you are with us as well. And if you're listening on the podcast, I welcome you as well. So great to have all those different opportunities and ways to be with you today. What a great time. Thanks, Ruth, for leading us in that wonderful time of worship. Let's give the worship team a hand this morning. <clears throat> Just a couple of things before I get into the message this morning. That is that uh, Kyle Bond is here, our, our uh, high school pastoral support worker, uh, otherwise known as a chaplain, and uh, he has a need to um, help with uh, providing lunches, with uh, um, sandwiches and things like that. So please see him today and he'll give you some information how you could help him do his job better. So um, do that, go and see Cole today and uh, get on board with what he's doing in the high school. So there's a little bit of help he needs, but something that you may be able to help out with. So that's a great opportunity for us all. Also, another little announcement that is not in the announcements today is tomorrow night at Unity Hill... There is a um, uh, presentation from Wycliffe Bible Translators. So they uh, do an amazing job of translating the Bible. I think Wycliffe uh, in, I don't know, some other century uh, was a, the guy who first originally translated the Bible into English. And uh, so uh, there, there is an uh, institute today around, well, around the world that translates the Bible into languages that the Bible has never been translated in before. So it's a really important work. Uh, they're, they're translating into indigenous languages in Australia. They're translating in New Guinea uh, languages over there. So it's an important thing. So if you want to know more about that, 7.30 tomorrow night at Unity Hill. So that will be good. So we're continuing our series today on end times. Who's enjoying them? Uh, I get a lot of feedback from, from uh, uh, people watching it online. So that's been good. So the first week we looked at signs of the end and Day of Judgment, a very uncool subject, uh, judgment, and the, the last time I spoke was on the rapture and about the return of Jesus Christ for his church, so that's a cool subject, and um, today I've, I've titled my message, Are We There Yet? So the, the question is, how close are we or how close could we be to the end day? So that's the, the, the question I have for you today, and I'm going to give you some scriptures and quite a lot of scriptures uh, that we're going to look at this morning. The first I'm going to start with is 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 5. Now it says this, um, and we'll, we'll pull it all apart, and we're not going to um, spend a lot of time on this one, but there, there's a little chunk that I want to read to you. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. Uh, they will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious but they'll reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So uh, it goes on in, in verse 8. If you go down a little bit to 2 Timothy 3, verse 8, it says, These teachers oppose the truth just as Jannes and Jombres opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. 
So I want us to just to think of that word right now uh, uh, for a moment, a counterfeit faith. So this morning, I want us to see a few things and, and uh, just want to encourage you that God is raising up a genuine people, a genuine church of true believers who will change the world, even in these hard times. So Paul uh, is the one who wrote that to us, and he, he's, he began the writing to Timothy with the words, you should know this, you should know this. So he's saying, Timothy, there is danger ahead. There is danger ahead and you should know this. And uh, through the prophets, uh, uh, throughout the Bible, the prophets, uh, God has given the world uh, danger signs or warning signs of the end days. And even Jesus said, when you see these signs, you'll know and be ready. So the whole thing is, is uh, we shouldn't go through our, our experience of this world being clueless or unaware of the things that are going to happen. So we need to be aware. And, and the Bible is, is just a whole, uh, a whole uh, manual full of warning signs and danger signs for us as believers as to what we should expect is coming next. So take this today as Paul giving you a personal message, a personalized message of our times. So as Paul said to Timothy, you should know this. I say to the church today, you should know this. And Paul is describing the end times church. What? All, this, all those things are describing the church? It's like, what hope have we got? Is it that people are going to be selfish, you're going to love money, they, they, they're going to be um, out of control, basically. And he's, he's saying, stay away from people like that. I mean, that's what we would expect in the world. Unbelievers would be like that. And Paul's saying, he's describing the difficult days and that's going to be right around you in the church. So I say this, at the most critical stage of history, the church will be infiltrated, will be diluted by a false, unholy spirit, a counterfeit expression of the church. And I say danger, it's an imposter infiltration zone. So there'll be imposters, there'll be those who claim their spiritual, uh, their spiritual credential, but they won't have the true spirit upon them. So it's such an such a important message that I have for you this, mo- this morning. See, the church was Jesus' plan to display God's kingdom to the world. And it's no surprise that the devil would infiltrate the church and distort the truth from within. And I'll tell you something today, we live in very important days that, that in Australia today, the Bible is quickly becoming a, 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 a book that is, is quite against the, the standards that the world is wanting to introduce. And so we need to, I want to tell you something, it's okay to have your Bible on, on your, uh, your device, on your phone or whatever, um, but I'll tell you something, if you can get your hands on a real one, I'll tell you to get one now and keep it and preserve it and look after it. Maybe you have to even hide it somewhere because I see a day approaching where, where we won't be able to have these, these little books called your Bible. 
because the devil hates it and he hates what it says and hates what it stands for and he's going to try and stop you having that in your hand. So I want to tell you, the next thing you need to do is you need to get into the Word of God now while you can, understand what it says, understand what it teaches and believe it and start getting it into your spirit so that if it ever was taken away, it's already written in your heart. Praise God. It's no surprise that the devil would infiltrate the church and try and distort the truth from within. So the question is, are we there yet? I think we're not far. Perhaps not far. Daniel 11, uh, verses 31 to 34. And I love the Bible, how it, it, it complements itself all the way through. Now, Daniel chapter 11, verses 31 to 34 tells us this. It describes another aspect of the end times. I've condensed it for you for time's sake. But starting at verse 31, it talks about an army will take will take over the temple and desecrate the sanctuary. Now, I know there are many people who are saying, well, the end times, we've got to wait until there's a new temple in Jerusalem and when all this stuff starts to happen. Now, I want to tell you, I started this whole thing about the end times teaching when I was teaching last year about the, the importance of the temple and the world. Now, what I want you to realize today is we're coming back to that temple just for a moment and um, it says in, in Daniel chapter 11, verse 31, an army will take over the temple and desecrate the sanctuary. Now, Jesus instituted a new spiritual temple. When, when he told his disciples before he was crucified, he says, see this beautiful building, this beautiful temple, it's going to be torn down and it's going to be rebuilt within three days without human hands. He wasn't talking about a physical structure. He was talking about a supernatural spiritual thing, a spiritual temple called the church that he was going to institute at, the, at, the, um, uh, at his um, resurrection that, that made a way for people to be made right with God because their sins are forgiven. And when people believe in Jesus and they follow him, become disciples, they are part of that temple. So it's a spiritual thing. I, have I lost everyone already? <clears throat> But the temple, it says, will be desecrated. The temple will, will be uh, um, invaded and, and, and desecrated. So Jesus said he's going to build a temple and he's the cornerstone. And I've, I, I know that he's describing the church. He's describing the believers as part of that temple. Verse, anyway, I'll, I say all that because it says an army will take over the temple and desecrate the sanctuary. And I'm talking about a counterfeit, uh, counterfeit people who will get their way into the church, perhaps leaders, perhaps teachers, and even just the everyday person in, the, in the, the, the church community who has no thought of the temple and desecrates God's sanctuary with unholy things. That's what I think it's meaning. Verse 32, it says, The covenant will be violated... Uh, by those who accept a counterfeit. But it goes on to say, but those who know their God will resist. The covenant will be violated. That means you can have a church with no communion. You can have a church with no preaching. You can have a church with no standards of life that come from his word. That's where, that's where we say the covenant was violated. The covenant is what Jesus instituted with his blood. The way to salvation is the covenant that God instituted, it says that will be violated. It will say we can do this community thing called church. We'll all gather, but, but we'll have a, a, uh, you know, a, a watered down, a diluted version of it all. 
verse 33, it says, um, it says that there will be wise people, godly leaders, godly teachers. It says, they will teach the truth until the end, but about them it says they'll be persecuted, they'll be robbed, and they'll be killed. Who wants to sign up for the ministry? A great advertisement, Jesus, as if. It says there will be, there will be godly leaders right up until the end, um, uh, and they'll teach the truth, but they'll be persecuted, they'll be robbed, and they'll be killed. Now, verse 34, it says many will join them who will not be sincere. So it tells us right through, we see that there, we see what Paul was saying to Timothy, and we see what Daniel wrote about the end times, and we see they match up. So it's talking about an infiltration of the people of God with those who would, would uh, adopt a distorted teaching. So they'll be undisciplined disciples. See, a disciple is a disciplined learner. We're, we're seeing here that, that's describing people who are, who are undisciplined disciples, entitled leaders who have abandoned the duty of sacrifice, service, and the Word of God. I want to tell you something. If you're a Christian, you don't want to be the diluted version. You want to be one who's learnt to sacrifice and serve and love the Word of God. They're important days for the church and you don't want to be counted as among those who were the diluted version. But I love that, go back to Daniel chapter 11, 32. It says, but those who know their God will resist. Those who know their God, it says in some versions, those who know their God will do great exploits. I want to tell you something we want to see among the church in these days, those who do great exploits of serving God, serving the community, saving people from the enemy's clutches. So I think in some ways it's describing uh, those who would treat church as a hobby and the purpose of God as low priority. So they think, you know, it, it should be the other way around. The purpose of God is my highest priority and the rest of my life is my hobby. So Jesus also told us in Matthew uh, chapter 13, it, it, there's a story about a, an enemy will come and plant weeds among the wheat. And, uh, and, the, and the, the, these uh, workers say, hang, someone's planted weeds among the good crop, among the good stuff. There is weeds all popping up. And they say, shall we pull out the weeds? And, and the master says, no, leave them. Let them grow together. I'll sort them out at the end. And I want to tell you something. Uh, we, we need to realize that, that there, is, um, there is a culture that wants to try and infiltrate every church. And the true believers need to say, well, that is not the culture of the kingdom. And I'll resist that. And I'll still do exploits for God. So my question again is, are we there yet? Perhaps we're not far from that day. Let's not be consumed with a danger ahead because whatever happens, Jesus will, will return for people, a church that is victorious and focused on Jesus. In fulfillment of Joel 2 verse 28, the church was filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 verse 17 is that fulfillment. It says, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. It says, it says that one youth, the power of God, will move upon the young people. It says that with, with your old groups, the power of God is going to pour out upon people so that there will be no age barrier. It says the Holy Ghost will move upon your people in those days. I want to tell you something. We don't want to run babysitting clubs or, or child mining services. We want to see the power of God move upon people. So here is a, uh, that, that's a positive fulfillment of prophecy of our days, of our times, that the Holy Spirit will be upon us like no other generation of history ever had. The Spirit will be poured out upon you without measure. So it's important that we understand the times in which we live and have a spiritual indwelling and in spiritual power of the Holy Spirit. There is no, way, no better way to be living in these days than to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. When we use the word baptized or that description, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's because we want to be completely immersed. We want to be completely in over our head, submerged, covered over. The victorious church is a spirit-filled believer. So you might be thinking, but all those things that, that, that uh, Paul said, there's going to be haters, there's going to be unforgiveness, there's going to be all these things. And I'll tell you something, we need to be discerners of the fruit among the church. And so when someone speaks of unforgiveness, you've got to say, uh-uh-uh, that's a counterfeit church. And we need to, we need to you know, boldly and lovingly say, hey, you're on the wrong track. My dad used to say to my brother, he got a bit off track, and he'd say, you're on the tr- wrong track, son. <laughs> my dad of all people. You're on the wrong track, son. And sometimes we need to t- have people around us who will love us enough to say, you're on the wrong track. You need to make some adjustments. Deal with some things spiritually and rightly. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Some things you can't battle on your own. Some things you'll never get the victory over. But when the Holy Ghost is flowing through you, the power of God does it. And those issues suddenly don't, don't seem to be so important anymore. Baptized, be completely submerged, covered over in, in the things of the Spirit. That's the victorious church. Is a Spirit-filled believer. It's a Spirit-filled person. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. It says, then there'll be a time of anguish, a time of danger, greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. The book of life, I want to tell you something, we need to be assured that our name is written in the book of God that says, my rescue is going to take me out of danger. See, as Paul warned Timothy, the end days will be danger. Daniel also warns us, danger ahead. It's not like, it's not like suddenly you go, well, we got to the bridge and there was, it was broken and I just drove straight off. God's saying to every person, there is danger ahead, prepare for it. We're not afraid. We're not afraid of the end days. As a Holy Spirit-filled person, Holy Spirit-filled church of God creates solid believers whose souls are preserved by God. You need to not be afraid of the days. Not think, well, I wonder if, what, what is going to happen next. See, 
I did say the other week, and I'll have to be really quick on this, but it's not my favourite subject, but I want to touch on this as the, the end times and climate change. So the, the two parts of my message today. End times and climate change. Who knows that's a pretty, pretty uh, touchy subject right now. But be very careful. I need to be very careful applying um, this, that um, we need to understand God's, God doesn't curse the earth. It's the result of sin. Have I got that on there? Be very careful applying this. God doesn't curse the earth. The result of sin does. So what we see in the earth of a breakdown of natural process is because of sin. I'll show you in the Bible where it says that. Because sin affects the natural environment, always has. Genesis 3, verse 17, 18, very start of the Bible, really at the start. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, their very original sin, it affected the ground. It says the ground will be cursed because sin has now entered the perfect thing that God created. And um, it says, you know, you'll, you'll cultivate the ground and you'll get thorns and thistles and things will be hard and, and you'll have to work really hard just to create food the way God intended the earth to be was to be bountiful. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to be, you know, all you do is go and pick the stuff. It all just grows for you. Easy. Uh, Genesis chapter, uh, I've done that one. Isaiah 24 verses 4 and 5 is really powerful message here. It says this. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before. It says the earth mourns and dries up and the land wastes away and withers. It says even the greatest people on earth waste away. The earth suffers. Why? For the sins of its people. For they have twisted God's instructions, violated his laws and broken his everlasting covenant. Now, I'll tell you something. When we see a nation that starts to disregard God's law, begins to disregard God's natural way or God's spiritual way of life, and we start to say, no, we're going to ignore all those things. We're going to say right is wrong and wrong is right. Then we start to do that. We begin to invite a curse onto our land. It's what the Bible says. Verse 6 says, a curse consumes the earth. People pay the price for their sin they are destroyed by fire and only a few are left alive. You see, over the world, over the last number of years, all different sorts of um, complications to this, but we've seen fires consuming the earth. Europe, Greece has the worst bushfires they've ever had. Australia sees massive bushfires like the world has never seen. The California and other states of the US and Canada have the greatest, biggest fires that the world has ever seen. Now, I know there's, there's I think there's some things that mankind has done to help uh, to help that happen but you know something the bible prophesied in the end days you'll see this happening the earth are destroyed by fire now i need you to understand only the stubborn who refuse jesus pay the price for their sin because jesus plan for salvation delivers us from all that delivers us from the curse that is upon the earth that comes from sin don't ever think, well, God cursed it. God says this is the result of what you've chosen. You reject God, you reject his, his, uh, his guidelines, and you'll see that there is a consequence to that. I'll give you some other end time signs, Isaiah 24. It says the city is in chaos, every home locked to keep intruders out. There's a fear, there's a disconnect between people an alienation, an isolation. People keep their distance. There's, there's a breakdown of normal 
society relationships. Verse 12, uh, verse 11 says mobs gather in the street. You just need to see what's happening all around the world. Again, other countries, you see France, Canada, Australia, US. There's crowds beginning to gather on the street, unprecedented scale all around the world. And it says in verse 12, the city is destroyed, its gates battered down. See, gates represent moral convictions of right and wrong that protect society. And those gates have been pushed down and broken down and the results are we seeing all this stuff happening. Now it says in verse 13, throughout the earth, the story is the same. And so we see these things aren't isolated to, to say the UK. They're not isolated to Europe. They're not isolated to Asia. They're not isolated to Africa. It says the whole world. Throughout the earth, the story is the same. Revelation 16, verse 8 and 9. This is during the reign of the Antichrist, the beast. That says, The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. It says, Everyone was burned by this blast of heat, but they did not repent of their sins and turn to God. I, I believe this is after. There's a timeline here. It could be, um, could be debatable. But I think this is after the church is removed and that Antichrist spirit is ruling the earth and it says that so there will be a huge massive sun burst over the earth that will burn people with, with the uh, fire from the sun. So climate change, what do we see? We see that there is, a, uh, there is a, a prophetic voice toward that in the Bible. Uh, the next thing, the third thing we see is God gave a promise that the earth will always produce a harvest no matter what. Again, Genesis 8 verse 22, there's a curse on the land because of sin, but God says, I give you a promise that the earth will always produce a harvest because of God's goodness despite man's wickedness. So as long as the earth remains, there'll be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Isaiah 25 verse 4 tells us that, Lord, you are a refuge from the storm and a shelter from the heat. So we need to put our trust in God. I'm going to ask the musicians to come and join me back again. There's three times in, in uh, the Gospels. I'll give you the, the, they might come up now. Three times in the Gospel where Jesus said, when you see all these things, we can know his return is very near. There they are, Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke chapter 12. But it tells us this. You can know that his return is very near, right at the door. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. See, the person who puts their hope and confidence in Jesus need have no fear of these days. We can stand with confidence and saying we know what's happening next. We can see what's about to happen. We're part of the genuine people of God. And we can be sure of our salvation. I'm going to ask that you stand with me as we come to a conclusion this morning. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 24. But about that day and about that hour, no one knows not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And it 
says in, in Luke chapter 12, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. The question again is, are we there yet? Maybe a better question for us today is, are we ready yet for the Lord? I want to pray that we as a church, as we as individual believers, be winning souls for Jesus. That we're ready for that. That we not live with fear. That we not think that we have to find a bunker to hide in. Perhaps we need people to, to experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps you've never experienced that in its fullness. You need to receive that tonight. That no matter what the enemy plants, the church will survive. And I love that what, what Daniel said, that there will be there'll be those who will join who are who will not be real. But the church is going to continue right until the Lord returns. So can I just pray for you this morning? Believe for an impartation of the Holy Spirit upon you today. That you may not have fear. Maybe someone's here today and you, that when you hear a message like this, you get this knot in your stomach. In your, in your stomach of fear you don't need to fear that you need to reject that you need to get your life right you need to say Jesus I'm chasing after you right now so Lord Jesus we just pray for those who have been caught with a fear trap pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that they may be set free of fear that they may have that decision made today in their heart that Jesus I'm going to be real with you I'm going to chase after you. I'm not going to treat my Christian calling as a hobby anymore, but I'm going to make it my life calling. So, Father, I just pray right now as that resonates with someone here today, that that calling may be made clear and precise and strong in their heart. For you have called them out of the kingdom of darkness into your light. Father, we pray for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, wherever people are here in this place today, I pray that they experience the glory to glory of being born again and filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Father, I pray that they'll begin to have a stirring right now where they are of the Holy Spirit beginning to descend upon them with great, with, I guess, a, a great sense of, of realness. In Jesus' name, let your Spirit fall upon the church today. Let the Spirit fall upon the church today. We just pray and believe right now that you are calling up, you're raising up godly people that no matter what are going to pursue after you. In Jesus' name we pray. So church, I just want you to look at me this morning as I finish. We've run out of time. just want to leave you with this thought. Live ready. Let Jesus have every part of your living. Don't be a man the diluted church be the church filled full strength of the Holy Spirit in Jesus name have a great week